Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1. We very seriously dissect TV shows for no reason at all. Stop picking these shows, please. <laughs> Did the Heat Miser require a resume when you applied for that job? I don't know why it's so weird that a, that a young boy can't have a favorite uh, racehorse. I mean... I- <laughs> And we will tackle both of those shows in the future. Ooh. I was like, what the hell is wrong with this when I was editing her? You go by Cannoli Joe. This needs to stop coming up every episode. This took me an hour to color in. I don't even know what a Banksy is. You die. <laughs> but you messed up your own line. Don't kick a ball, man. Like, it's just <laughs> everybody. I paid $70, but I paid that to a moose. Shall so. we go now? <laughs> you should know, because right now you're dressed like a London DJ. <laughs> 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 Mine's got a flat head, fella. How about yours? <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to S1 E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode and ignoring anything else we might know about the future run of that show. Rate it and decide if that's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Cavemen. Cavemen went six episodes with one season on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, Her Embarrassed of Caveman, which originally aired October 2nd, 2007. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, the guys, Nick, Ferg, Gordo, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Keep I don't your speak English. In your genus. <laughs> you fucking sapes. Fuck off. And uh, guys, I think most importantly, before we get into it, happy anniversary. This is our one year anniversary special. Yeah! Hooray! We did it. It's not surprising since we've all been friends for over 20 years, but it is surprising because we've been doing something together for a year, and I'm genuinely shocked we've pulled this <laughs> off for a yeah. whole year. True. Now we can go and do every other week now. <laughs> Back to our monthly podcast schedule so we don't hate each other our as much. Our monthly podcast schedule. But yeah, I mean, uh, before we get into the episode itself, I think we should at least spend a minute talking about that. We're a year in, so... Um, just to talk about ourselves for a second, is this what we expected to happen? I didn't, I'm surprised we've kept the deadlines. We've, we've put out an episode every week, uh, every Thursday we've had a new episode. I don't know. I'm, I'm very genuinely surprised by how fast this all came together and how fluent ish it's been. It really took one person buying a microphone to make it actually happen. It was like a germ of an idea. Like we should do this. I forget who it was. Who was like about a microphone. Now you all have to. It's like, oh shit, we have to figure out how to do this now. <laughs> yeah, I'm still taking credit for calling you all out, saying we don't do anything we say we're gonna do, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna prove for a wrong as usual. Yeah, well, now forever though. If anybody, this podcast could end tomorrow, and you can't use that excuse anymore, we can be like, "Well, we did this for a whole year." <laughs> um, having said that, if you're listening to us, please suggest us to your friends because you know, if you want another year out of us, we're going to need to gain some traction here. Yeah, we're so close to ten thousand downloads. Yeah, I really thought that we were going to hit it, but this one year, it'll just be more special when our one year anniversary makes us hit it. That's true. Cavemen will put us over the top. I was going to say, by the time this, this episode is out, we should be at that number because we are very, very close to teetering it. We've seen growth in the last year, which has been nice. We're seeing people stay, which is awesome. Um, the numbers are going up week to week. So for that, I want to thank all of you. But yeah, spread the word because we would like to continue to grow. That that certainly helps. 
I would say it's been all uphill, except for the fact that complete strangers have called me Cannoli Joe, which I fucking hate. <laughs> At least you haven't had strangers say you hate women. <laughs> well, well, not just not on Instagram. If the shoe fits, Joe's not actually a cannoli. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, and s1e1pod.com is where you can go to find all the links to our social media and everywhere we can listen to us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Again, spread the word. It means a lot to us. But I think it's time that we get into the big episode. We, I wanted to save this for episode 100. I think you it's guys wanted to do it. To you. you guys wanted to do it so bad. You're like, let's push it up to the anniversary. At least it's a, still a big episode. And uh, begrudgingly, I guess, why make the fans wait another full year? So uh, here we are with cavemen. So many fights. We have to do The Office for 100. We have to do Seinfeld for 100. And Jay has been steadfast on doing fucking cavemen for 100. <laughs> This has been one of those, we don't know if we were ever going to do it. That's why we were pushing it to episode 100 in hopes that Jay would forget it. But <laughs> or the podcast would just peter out. We'd decide we didn't want to do it anymore and just never let him have his moment. Before, yeah, before Jay got his moment in the sun. But here we are. We get to put it in the rear view after today. So. If, we, if this is the last thing we ever record, I could say we did it because we, we got to cavemen. I will say, though, I don't like the fact that we don't have this to rely on. Where this has been such a long running thread. We'll have to we've pick had. another one. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry. I'll still talk plenty of shit about cavemen. In the future. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to tip my hat here, but surprised me in a few different ways of this show. I had a lot of preconceived notions. This comes Same. from a time where I did yeah. not have TV, which is like living in shitty apartments with no money and no cable. You could say that you were a caveman. I guess, sure. <laughs> I had a beard, I think, then. Can we we need to put together a compilation of Gordo getting no-sold on all of his jokes, because it no happens sale. constantly. I'll say this. This uh, first episode came out October 2nd, 2007. So at that point, we are all, uh, we're all 21. Gordo's 22 at this point. 2007? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like 23. That's terrible math. No, you're not. Here we go again. (laughs) Gordo math. (laughs) Wait a minute. No. Got all the hits for you. (laughs) Wait, let him do it. Let him do it. No, I I was. No, I was. Oh, wait. What what month was it, Jay? October. I was. So he just turned 22. He turned 22, not 23. I I was close enough for government work. Yeah, (laughs) I was closer with the correct number before you corrected me. But in any event, what what my point is, like for someone like Joe, is like, I think I missed it. It was 2000. Joe is 21 years old you know what joe is up to every single day when he was 21 <laughs> oh yeah i was drinking in some weird apartment that i lived in with no tv we were just watching kids in the hall dvds all day and then blackout so that was what was happening when i was 21 so, so the only change is you own your house now <laughs> yes exactly. i'm just blacking out in a much nicer place same dvds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Joe's actually regressed. He's gone just straight to VHS now. He doesn't even use DVDs. So, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, VHS does uphold the quality of a lot of the movies from that era much better. But no, it does not. Stop. I wouldn't watch Cavemen on VHS. But if you're gonna watch like Return of the Living Dead or you're gonna watch like Star Eighty, watch it all grainy and fucked up like we watched it when we were kids. I don't know what Star Eighty is. Oh, whoa. I can't wait to have a Patreon to force people to watch weird shit. Pat- Star 80 is a true story of the murder of Playboy model uh, Dorothy Stratton. Oh, just as we all watched as we were kids. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't know. We had those encore channels on the cable and went through it, but I used to watch like every weird movie all the time on them. They'd play Star 80 all the time. They would play um, Breathless with Richard Gere a lot. It's a great one. I just watched softcore porn on those. Most of those movies are pretty much softcore porn, to be honest. <laughs> to uh, to move on real quick before we get started, I, I want to say, so we're doing 
episode one as far as the first televised episode in the U.S., which was Her Embarrassed of Cavemen. There was a pilot episode that was aired in like Australian places, but that's not the first televised episode here. So we're going by the first U.S. televised episode. Six episodes made it to air in the U.S., but there were a total of 13 that all got aired in Australia. It's kind of crazy when I look at the run of, because like, you know, you do some preliminary, like who was in the show, blah, blah, blah. And, and you look at it and you're like, it ran from October to November of 2007. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, including, not to get ahead of ourselves, but one of the actors who's in it, because there's some notable people in this, right? Yeah. Yep. But uh, the dude who plays um, uh, Joel, if you look him up on like Wikipedia or uh, IMDb, his or just like you just Google his name, he comes up as an actor who is primarily known as the role of playing Joel in the ABC series. <laughs> oh, no. Man. So he hasn't done anything. No, else. he doesn't have a big <laughs> list. Like that's forever his tagline. Like that's that dude's gravestone. What a bummer. <laughs> and uh, you, I'll get into it. The joke for years before we even had this show is I, I legitimately always liked the show and I, I've been made fun of for many, many years for it. What always gets me is I understand that this wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea, but the show got canceled in the middle of the writer's strike when there was no new programming to put on TV and they had a half a season of this show in the can that they could air and they would rather air nothing than put this show on. Also, we should, we should preface this for people who don't know. This is from a Geico advertisement. Like the Geico yeah, right, case right, right. Then is what spawned this show. If, you know, if you're younger before you, I mean, those commercials came out almost, you know, 15, 16 years ago. 2004 now, so. is when they first came out and the show came out three years later. And by the time the show came out, those commercials were still like going consistently. Now these commercials though, do we retain any of those actors? Cause I know Nick Kroll wasn't one of them. Maurice. On the on the original pilot that we didn't cover, it didn't have any of the the TV show ones, and people were like angry when they retooled it. They brought in one of the ones because people loved the characters from the things they played them forever, so they yeah. brought in one of, of three. <laughs> I mean, for anybody who's not who's too young to remember these, these commercials were like really, really present in culture. Like they were pretty revolutionary too, because you didn't see that a lot. They ran for, I think, two years after the series, and then, like, it's just, they were everywhere. You couldn't, I remember the one year at the Super Bowl, I think there was, uh, like, 200 of them. I think the only thing you could compare them to is the E-Trade baby. Who's back, by the way. He is back, yes, according, since the Super Bowl, actually, I think. But, like, as far as, like, commercials becoming, becoming like, that popular, I can't think of I have no besides. idea what you're talking about. The E-Trade baby, he, it was just a talking baby, a la... Who give, um, like, money advice. Yeah, and, like... Who takes advice from a baby? I think that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. Yeah, it was, like, so easy, like, a baby could do it. Like, that, that was just, like, the shtick. But it was, um... Look who's talking style. Yeah. The commercial that brought him back for the Super Bowl this year is basically the opening scene of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando, where, like, they helicopter in and he's like, it's pretty weird. He's just chopping wood in the woods. Oh, is that when he's like, oh, they're taking advice from memes now? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't get that. But they made a ton of those commercials. Yeah, and, and to get back into it, yeah, so Maurice, who's kind of the secondary guy, and we'll talk about it as we get into the episode, there's the three main characters- but Maurice, who's like the fourth caveman that you see bouncing in and out of the episode, he was the main guy in the advertising campaign. So even though there was a few different cavemen in that whole ad campaign, Maurice was the main guy. So they brought him in. He's the one you're used to. He would like deadpan the camera at the end of the commercials all the time, right? When someone would say something like, oh, a caveman could do it. He'd give you the like, 
like or whatever. Now, I was trying to think of parallels for this show. This would be like if NBC Tomorrow was like progressive flow in the gang solves scooby-doo mysteries or like legal emu and doug <laughs> emu, yeah. emu show. <laughs> i'm so yeah. glad you brought her up and i don't want to get too ahead but me years and years ago downloaded all 13 episodes and the ones that weren't u.s aired outside of the original episodes that made it to the u.s in the australian episodes flow is actually a recurring character she plays one of the cavemen's boss so wait, why is this prominent only in Australia? I don't get it that. It just, they continued it on with it. They decided to keep running episodes. It was either they could keep running Cavemen or play reruns of Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> they had had enough of that. Yeah. Yahoo serious <laughs> movies. In Australia too, I think they were offended because they thought it was a bad portrayal of Aborigines and they were like, this is just racist. And Australia was like, oh, okay, shit. I guess we won't play this show there anymore. But they had the full run. After 13 episodes. Yeah, they got the full 13. We got one month in the year of 2007. I find that so funny. Lucky them. But uh, yeah, let's get right into it. So, so it starts with the intro. And in the intro, you get narration. And, and it says, it all started with us, the cavemen. Since day one, our people have always been where the action is. Sure, maybe not the front and center. But if you're enjoying your modern civilization, you might want to send us a little thank you note. We're not that hard to find. We're right here beside you. We're really not that different from you, just a little better looking. And during that intro, you kind of see all these sh like kind of iconic shots from like throughout history. Belichick crossing the Delaware. <laughs> yeah, it, only they have um, they have cavemen injected into them, so they're just kind of showing you that in this world, evolution did happen, but there were a chunk of cavemen that kind of stayed you know all along like they just stayed at that form and some ended up in twisted sister when those dna kits first became like popular for everyone one of them had like and people were getting neanderthal on that thing like like one percent and shit like that <laughs> i remember that like people were posting it on on social medias and stuff i wish so weirdly enough actually neanderthal dna does actually we have retained a certain percentage because there was interbreeding between Homo sapiens and Neanderthals. Uh, that's a documentary that I saw really late at night on YouTube. And By Alex Jones, Gordo's favorite documentarian. No, 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 because my stuff is based in fact and not lizard people, but it actually did happen. Um, the frogs are turning gay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, I can't even can't even say anything against that. <laughs> but yeah, so so yeah, there are actual Neanderthal DNA in our blood now. Um, and just to go back to the intro itself, did you guys have any early opinions of just seeing the intro? Any early I went, thoughts? Wow! Oh my god, I have twenty-one minutes and eighty-eight <laughs> seconds to go. I will say this it, without kind of jumping ahead. I liked the intro because I thought that they were going to get into the the ethos of why they're still around. And they and they never did, and that kind of bummed me out. That was always the point of the commercials. I was excited as to why they were like finding out why they were still around, and they never touched on it, which kind of pissed me off. Well, I feel like they kind of do in just showing that you that they never left. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not any weird science right. thing that happened. Just it's assumed, just assumed. Yeah, there was just a, a chunk of that just stayed within that DNA structure. Well, they get to it in the kind of they get to it in the show about how that there's cave girls and cave men. But I would have rather this had been a origin story. Right. Yeah. Agreed. 
Or not uh, the, the, not the whole episode, but give me like a minute of origin. Okay, I was gonna say I disagree because I like the idea of them being in modern. Yeah, I kind of like just getting thrown into the world and just kind of seeing what it is. Sometimes I don't I don't think everything needs an origin story. I think that's kind of the problem with a lot of like superhero movies at times where they always want to spend so much time explaining it to you, and then all of a sudden we're out of time, and they're like, oh yeah, uh, let, let's throw in five minutes of action at the end. I would have preferred if they were found by Pauly Shore in a block of ice while digging a <laughs> pool in the backyard. <laughs> I mean, Brendan Fraser would have made this movie much, this TV show much better. So, um, so we start Let's with this go opening Brendan Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> you could have ended it with Brendan. <laughs> we knew who the we knew who the Brendan was. <laughs> Fraser. <laughs> Anyways, so we get to the opening scene and we have Nick and Joel who are standing at a party and they're talking to a regular human, a homo sapien, as they're, we're constantly being referred to in these episodes. Sapes. And they're making small talk. And uh, it starts and you hear Nick, who's played by Nick Kroll, who this is one of his earlier television roles. At this point, you would know Nick Kroll from so much stuff. This was his first, I believe. Yeah. So Ruxin from The League, you would know him from Big Mouth. He's He's just done... So much stuff, but yeah, Kroll this is show. early to Kroll. Parks and Rec. I like Kroll Show. I will say, though, do. this, he is Ruxin in this, and there the, it opens up with a bunch of people at a bar with him doing a Ruxin speech, and it felt so much like the League. I disagree. And also, Steve Ranazizi kind of looks like a caveman, <laughs> even though he was a 9-11 hero, that the entire time, like every page of my notes, I'm just like, is this the League? Is this the League? Well, no, I mean, I, I've, I've I think never he's liked, the opposite of Ruxin. I've never liked Nick Kroll, and I think this kind of like solidifies that he doesn't have much range. He's just always the same character. He's just He Nick plays Kroll, one character, but yeah. I really like his one character. Which one was Nick Kroll? Nick. He plays Nick on the show, so he's the one who starts... Oh, so he, he's another Tony, huh? <laughs> so, A.O. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Nick Kroll starts, well, just the character Nick on the show, and you hear him saying to the, the guy while they're at the party, so there's this tiny waitress, and she's carrying a rack of ribs so big that they can tip over the car made of stone. I just don't see what's so funny about it. And then the guy goes, yabba dabba do," and he goes, don't ever, <laughs> and just cuts him short. Okay, 2007 wasn't that long ago, but it seems too far away from the Flintstones to be having an argument that the Flintstones is unrealistic. Did that seem weird to anybody else? Well, I guess in a world where cavemen exist, it's probably more prevalent. You know what I mean? But in this timeline, for them to say that would mean that they particularly expand since cavemen. Is that what we are to believe? Well, they're not like a thousand years old, but they're from descendants of... Okay. Yeah, and they're just talking about, like, this is a portrayal of cavemen on television. So they're, he's just kind of commentating on it. Although I'm with Gordo now. If this was both cavemen mixed with Highlander, and they had just lived for <laughs> thousands of years, and then Sean Connery popped in, better show. Shut up and take my money. <laughs> right? Yeah. And Joel, uh, like Nick, you mentioned him earlier, he's played by Bill English. If you look him up, there's not a lot there. So you, I don't think you would know him for anything else. And um, Nick kind of calls Joel out because he's just been texting the whole time they've been there. And Joel's trying to tell him that he can multitask. But even as he's trying to say that, he can't get the words out because he's so locked into his phone. After that, Nick sees Joe's brother, Andy, off in the corner, drunk dialing his ex and says that they need to go in there saving Private Ryan style. Uh, Andy, played by Sam Huntington, uh, you would know him as Mimi Siku in Jungle of Jungle. And he was Jam in Detroit Rock City. I was going to get so mad if you didn't mention him as Jam. Yeah, no, Jam is 
my favorite role that he he's done. But uh, Detroit Rock City is such a great movie that very I underrated. It recently, it was like this still holds up. This is still super fun. I I agree. I think that's a great movie. I don't think it gets enough credit. Oh, it's got my cousin Eddie Furlong in it. That's true. <laughs> he gets his face shoved in a pizza. <laughs> You get Andy on the phone, his girlfriend, and he's he's just, you hear like, Susan, you know, I'm trying to agree with you. You know, like, Susan, no, you're being childish and hurtful. <laughs> and uh, Joel takes the phone and just hangs it up. And then Andy's like, thanks, Joel. We're having a really positive conversation. Joel And Joel says, Andy, you came to San Diego to get away from her, right? Stop calling her. She called me. <laughs> and then he tells her, she slept with another man in your car while you were at the dentist. And Andy goes, well, I was in there for a really long time. This is very Ruxin. This yeah. is him being very Ruxin. Mm-hmm. He's just so matter of fact. And him holding the drink at the bar. There's a few other times, one at the very end of the episode, where he's just that character. But I do love the idea that he was just in the dentist for a really long time, which gives you carte blanche to do whatever you want. He, he's giving, like, he's, as we see though, throughout the whole episode, he's very much attached to his ex. And to the point where it doesn't matter what she did to him, he's going to justify it. And, You'll see throughout this whole episode, even though they're cavemen, most of the issues they're tackling here are things that you could, there's a lot of parallels to normal life. It's oddly enough, it's a lot like when we did dinosaurs, which was our second episode ever, which oddly to look back now, we recorded nearly a year ago today. And do you think that they have like cavemen dentists or do you think they just went to a regular dentist? They appear to have normal teeth from what I saw watching the episode. I imagine they go to John Lovitz as the dentist in Coneheads and wider and wider. <laughs> so um, Joel walks away because he got another message. And now Nick is talking to Andy and he goes, he tells him, you know, this party's lame. There's only two cave chicks here and I'm pretty sure they're together. And this is when Maurice comes by and Maurice oh, is the one. Did he say they're together? I wrote in my notes and I'm pretty sure they're good to go. Like he was nope. being like, let's <laughs> no, go with them. Nope. No, he said that he's pretty sure that they're here together. Um, so that's Joe's section of the podcast brought to you by <laughs> bourbon. <laughs> Just like, it's like, that's a weird thing to say. They're good to go. It's like kind of slimy. All right. Well, it makes more sense now. There's uh, so Maurice shows up. Maurice is the one, as mentioned before, is from the actual commercials. So this is the first time you're kind of seeing, oh, okay, they are in interjecting these two worlds together and maurice is like hey what, what are you guys doing back here these ladies aren't going to make sweet love to themselves or are they so there's the sliminess that you're looking for it wasn't the good to go comment it was right when maurice shows up also can we talk about what maurice's next upcoming role is we've talked about this a lot on the show and it comes back to one of our most uh favorite people's favorite episode of ours he is herman munster oh, oh shit He's playing Herman Munster I in forgot the about that. Bound to be Terrible because it's being made by Rob Zombie remake of the Munsters, although it does have the guy from Dudes and U.S. Marshals as Grandpa, which I am holding out hope for. You know what? I think that should be our first Patreon. We all go to see that movie and review it when it comes I think out. the very least we should all go see that movie together. I think we've built up so much at this point. I was going to say it would be hard for us to go to that because people would be bummed out because we couldn't not like Mystery Science Theater that, but I can't imagine that there'll be anybody else in the theater, so it should probably be fine. We don't Mystery Science Theater things now, so it wouldn't be any different. So now we get to a new scene, and we're at uh, Joel's apartment, and everyone's just kind of hanging out in the morning, and Joel's still very locked into his phone. Nick has a newspaper out, and he's just sitting on the couch. Andy asked for the Sudoku. Nick explains to him that, you know, he always does the Sudokus. Andy rips the paper from him and says that they can do it together because him and his ex Susan used to. So then Joel says, Andy, enough about Susan, all right? Look, the city is swarming with chicks. Now you got to get out there and meet some of them. And Nick's like, that's true. But keep in mind, this isn't like home where everybody's like us. So remember the rule. 
Stick to your kind, crave the cave. <laughs> crave the cave got a good laugh. What, what do you think he means by, like, home? In a cave. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I know don't where they're originally true. from. Like, I don't know if they were from a village that was primarily cavemen. Maybe it's like the Amish were, like, some places like, heavy Amish, like... Yeah, maybe they had, like, a little kind of area. They were Amish cavemen? But in uh, San Diego, not so much. Yeah, that's a good question, though. If they're not like home, do they all congregate from one place? Yes, Pangea. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Cavemen went around for Pangea. Oh, right, you nerd. <laughs> but yeah, so no sooner is uh, than this conversation ends, Andy's already done with the Sudoku, which uh, kind of amazes Nick because he like used pen. And Nick doesn't like that Andy's presence is already disrupting his routine. I don't tells- think he wasn't amazed. He was mad because he wanted to do it. No, he was mad that he wanted to do it. But when he turned it in so early, he's like, you're done already? And with pen? Like he was, he was a little surprised that he was so good at them. He's like, yeah, this is an easy one. I thought he was mad because he wanted to erase it and do it himself. No, I I think he was a little surprised he was able to accomplish it so quickly. What was the fastest you guys ever completed a Sudoku puzzle? I I have never finished one because I don't understand them. I don't get it. Yeah. Anytime I've done them, it's been like on an app on my phone. I've never sat in like, I couldn't tell the last time I bought a newspaper. So yeah, me too. But I don't get it because who does math for fun? I'm kind of with Ferg in this one, I think, yeah. I like puzzle games, personally. No, I like, like, brain games or whatever, but I actually don't even know how to do Sudoku. I'll do a crossword all day long, but... As far as I know, Sudoku, you just need to get every line to have, what is it, one through nine or whatever the game yeah, right. is. and each box has to have it as and well. And you can't repeat numbers. Correct. And so but yeah. they throw some numbers in there. If there's a four and a two, you got to get every, another, every other number in there horizontal and vertically. So, it, I don't know. It seems... It makes me, like, nauseous, like, thinking about it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound fun at all. Why would I do this on purpose? Yeah, I'll just play Game Boy. <laughs> no, but, yeah, no, it's it's like a nine by nine uh, block thing. So, yeah, nine across, nine down, and every chunk of nine will incorporate every num- number one through nine. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm into number games and stuff, but I still don't even do them very often. But, yeah, so... Nick's explaining that Andy's presence is getting him out of his routine, and he tells Joel that he can't do any of his writing while he's here. Joel responds by telling him that, Nick, you haven't wrote anything in an entire year. And Nick says, let me tell you something, Joel. 95% of a dissertation is conceptualizing, internalizing data, formulating a hypothesis. The lion's share of the work is being done in the dome. Uh, I have to ask this. I know the word, and I have a rough idea, but I honestly don't know what a dissertation is. It's what you have to finish writing when you're finishing your doctorate. Is it specifically to just that? Correct. Yeah. Uh, it gets used a lot, too. People will, like, use it as a as an insult. But, like, you can say somebody's long paper or somebody does some giant Instagram post. Like, oh, look at their dissertation on blah, 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 blah. Like, but that's what it comes from. If you're doing, like, a PhD thing. A dissertation gets published, doesn't it? Like, in, like, a, it's like a, is, a like, are so, dissertations, yeah. like, peer reviewed? If review? it's good enough. Like, you have to get it peer-reviewed. I don't know, actually. I, I'm just shy of my doctorate, so. I was going to say, I don't know if anybody listening is surprised by this, but nobody on here is Dr. S1E1 for some reason. Joel's phone goes off again, but this time he's too distracted because he's making coffee to pick it up. So Nick grabs it and sees he has a message from someone named Kate asking what he's going to be doing tonight. So Nick replies with, eating sushi off your booty. With the, they weren't emojis yet, so that little... What were those, like emoticons? Emoticon, yeah, a little winky face. Now, what kind of sushi, hypothetically, would you eat off a butt? 
none because it would kill me. <laughs> More importantly, what's your favorite sushi? I, I defer to my first answer. I don't eat sushi. I don't eat sushi either. Jay's eaten enough sushi for all of us, though. I've so. emptied out parts of the ocean eating sushi. <laughs> um, I'm pretty standard. I'll try whatever. Jay's like, blood is mercury. You know, just basically, uh, I stick to stuff with salmon and tuna more times than not because I think eel has a weird texture. I like, but you. um, spicy tuna. Spicy tuna is fine. I mean, that's like the simple stuff, and then whatever place has decent specialty rolls, I'll look into. But I, I do like the like the non fish sushi style, like an Idaho like, roll with the uh, sweet potatoes and like, stuff. I remember when we went to Kowloon and and uh, so I think it was Marcos got like there's like mango ones, like rice wrapped mango yeah. and stuff. Like those are cool, but like. And it's not for my lack of trying either, too. Because I've brought this up before. Like, I, I always feel left out that I don't like sushi. And so I'll try it every now and again. And it's fucking gross. <laughs> I, had some, I had some yesterday. I've always wanted to try the ones that are non-fish, but I just feel like there's such a crazy risk of contamination that somebody has touched one that was fish beforehand and then my throat will close. Yeah, you had sushi yesterday? Yeah. You didn't get enough of it on vacation when you had it every morning for breakfast? I was going to say, yeah. Uh, for, we wait, no, sushi we were just, for breakfast? We were just in Dallas. And you got sushi in a kind of landlocked area of the country. So too. listen, we were at, um, w- me and Ferg were just in Dallas the past week and we were staying at an Airbnb that was like a luxury apartment complex. And there was a store under us, which happened to be a full supermarket. So when I'd wake up in the morning, I usually wake up before everyone. So I just went down to grab some food for the morning and the prep food area is right there. So I would just get some sushi because it was easy enough. And I'd go up and have some sushi, maybe some chicken. Please tell me you didn't also have coffee with it. No, I I only had what coffee. What time times. is that? Because you typically wake up at like four thirty in the morning. For no, I have to wait reason. for the supermarket to be open. So I was probably down there seven or eight. <laughs> seven a.m. sushi. What the fuck is <laughs> wrong chicken. with you? You're a Don't serial killer. The chicken. Rice, <laughs> chicken, <laughs> chicken, like salmon. That's all great stuff to put in your body early. I I bought a meatloaf from there, and they acted like it was the weirdest thing in the world when they're eating fucking sushi at seven a.m. A meatball, meatloaf. <laughs> Meatloaf's Who the wonderful. fuck eats meatloaf at seven in the morning? I did not at seven. I, I ate it at night as my dinner. <laughs> There's nothing weird about that. And his love of cheese calzones. <laughs> this kid loves cheese calzone. I mean, that's delicious. Cheese bread. It just this other stuff you put in a calzone. I mean, I agree. A cheese calzone's a little plain, but I dipped it in pizza sauce. It was delicious. Okay, we're gonna do a hangout sometime soon. We're gonna do a meetup. We haven't all been in the same room together in a while with COVID and moving and stuff. I really cannot wait to see everybody's breakfast. That's going to be super fun to watch. Like Everyone's going to have coffee and like kind bars, and Jay's going to be eating fucking Italian sausages. For the record, I, I have no qualms against eating like eggs and bacon and stuff. I'm going to cook you guys breakfast. That was going to be my thing. I was going to cook you guys Deal. <laughs> Deal. Um, but yeah, so uh, to get back into it, Nick starts to ask Joel about her and asking if she's nice, has a good sense of humor, is big up top. <laughs> and again, Ruxin saying is she big up top is yeah. so Ruxin. But when you look back now, when you hear Ruxin, you're gonna think, oh, he's being so Nick from Cavemen. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never this do is that. Way before that, you can really push the agenda if you want. He wasn't Ruxin in the sense where Ruxin is always neurotic and like freaked out by everything. Where Nick was more smooth. He was yeah. kind of a scumbag, but he was smooth. That's true. The scum level's the same, but the neurosis versus. Uh, yeah. Just kind of scammer on girls guy. I think it's that like the cadence Nick Kroll water speaks cookies. at is pretty consistent. Uh, yes, the origin of water cookies. But yeah, no. So as he's asking about her, um, Kate replies to the text that Nick had sent and writes, ooh, sexy. And Nick goes, wow, she's open minded. He says that's so dry that like, I'm not going to lie. There were a few times in the episode where I got some genuine laughs and him saying, 
wow, she's open-minded. I don't know why I was laughing so hard at that. And, uh, you know, Joel just takes the phone back and then he leaves for work. And Andy goes, love you, Joel. And Nick goes, indifferent to you, Joel. I think that was very Ruxin right there. Yeah, for sure. But now I'm just like, wait, is Ruxin just, is Nick Kroll evil? Is he actually just this person? The douche. Wally and the douche. So now we get to the next scene, which is at the store Norsk build. <laughs> and it's kind of like um, fake Ikea. It's exactly that. It's an Ikea. Yeah, Scandinavian furniture store. And this now makes the entire thing, because of the time and the look of it, this whole thing felt very 40-year-old version. Yeah. Like this crew of dudes sort of slacking off in this very 2000s bright retail store. Except there was no alligator buckhouse. Unfortunately. <laughs> you guys fans of the Ikeas? Have you been to one recently? Never stepped foot in yes. one. Really? It's an experience. Yeah. It really is. It makes I, you- it, Yeah, it's not because I don't want to. I also, like, our closest one is in, like, Foxborough or something, isn't it? No, there's one, um, yeah, it's not too, it's, too far. It's like an hour drive from Boston, but I forget what city it's in. There was yeah. one in Amesbury. It was right near Jordan's Furniture. I, I, just, I went to the one south. Yeah, the one, the, the one south of us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like maybe 45 minutes. For years, they were going to build one in Somerville, but it didn't pan out. That's why the Good Time Emporium went away. Sorry for yeah. all of you guys who are not regional listeners. Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> so inside baseball. I kind of want to go to one soon. What is their delivery like? Because uh, think- certain things are delivered, so it's kind They're of delivered in pieces, and then you have to put it together yourself. I can only think of things that I would want that are larger. And, like, I got to drive them from Stoughton in my SUV. It's, like, not going to work, so. They only deliver through freight, so it takes a really long time, and it's really expensive. No, Mm. it doesn't, actually. We ordered some stuff during the pandemic. They actually now do it themselves, and they will um, deliver it. Because when I ordered stuff during pandemic, they this is exciting. and then said that the tractor trailer can come <laughs> right. on our street and then canceled our order. It's where Gordo got his squatty potty delivered. <laughs> Listen, um, yeah, well, we, we won't get too into the Ikea talk, but uh, Nick, I would recommend that you check one out. It's not bad. And you can get a decent lunch there. Like, the food's not bad. Let's take a trip. I'm down. I was going to say, we were all we were all wondering about where we were going to go eat dinner. Where's the closest could... Ikea to you, Joe? We'll meet there. I think the one that's closest to you. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot longer drive for you, though. <laughs> yeah, so we're in the store, and Joel's explaining the function of a sofa bed to a new employee, Ray, who is on the showroom floor. Ray, played by Nick Swartzen. So it's, it's fun to see Nick Swartzen in a role. That was Nick Swartzen. Okay. Yeah, I was so happy to see him. I kept thinking it was... And then I was like, but he doesn't look like Nick Swartz. Well, he doesn't look like Nick Swartz now. Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. I was getting like glimpses that it could have been him. And then I was like, nah, it can't be. Nick he wouldn't sign on for this. Might have like one of the best batting averages out there. Because like I don't think I've ever seen Nick Swartz in a not laughed in whatever he was in. Like he's just always funny. Like he's it's always the same character too. Like he's yep. not, you know, blowing his range out or anything except for like, uh, what's the one we always make fun of? For Joe too, in um, the bench warmers. bench warmers, like that one was kind of like outside yeah. the box. No, he's a in that. Bit. He was in that shitty Bucky Larsic movie. How dare oh. you? I have that written down. We literally, Kelsey and I, quote <laughs> that movie all the time. That movie is. You're the so only two people that funny. like it. That because that we might be ass. the only two. Kevin Nealon in that movie has the best story arc of all time. And I think it's important for those of you who've been listening to us for the last year now, uh, for every time Joe's talked about things that he quotes all the time, it's very apparent that him and his wife 
only speak in television and movie quotes all day <laughs> because there's no way he could fit in all these movie and TV quotes and talk about anything else. That's true. Yeah. It's like a broken person language. It's, it doesn't <laughs> make any sense at all. That's constantly just like, yeah, Kevin Nealon quotes and uh, you know, weird dumb shit from Mantis. I'll be honest. I've never seen Bucky Larson because the reviews were not positive. But It's Joe, very if- funny. It is terrible, and I, Ferg, it is I very usually funny. like bad things like that. It's not even redeemable. Yeah, it's like how you guys all like Joe Dirt. But oh my god, Joe Dirt's you? a masterpiece. <laughs> how dare you? Joe Dirt is a goddamn masterpiece. The sequel's terrible, but the original's a masterpiece. Joe, if you were to give me one Bucky Larson line that you think is like the most quotable to you, what would you say? Oh, it's going to sound so bad out of context, but it's, I don't trust her. I trust her tits, which always <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, <laughs> anyways, Joel's God, trying to I show, he's trying to show Ray how to, um, like, fold out this, like, sofa bed or whatever, and uh, Ray's afraid to, he's like, no, it's going to pinch me. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it's not, it's not going to pinch you. Uh, all you have to do is show the customers how to do this, and you, you grab here, and you pull the lever, and Ray's trying to put it off, he's like, can we just do it tomorrow? He's like, no. So Ray finally is like, okay, I'll try. And as soon as he goes to do it, he pinches his hand. He's like, ah, damn it. I got pinched. And, um, and- this is a, this is a lie because there are no people in Ikea to help you. That's true. Too. No one ever helps you. They literally give you tickets and tell you to go downstairs in the warehouse and pull your thing out. There's nobody there. Yeah. But this is an Ikea. This is Norsk build, uh, where there's plenty of employees. Joel goes, uh, Ray, what did you do, do wrong? And Ray goes, I didn't believe in myself. It's like, no, you didn't push down the lever. I don't know why I found that one so funny. The, the I didn't believe in myself line. The scene too, like this, it's something about the way it's shot. I mentioned a minute ago, but the way it's shot and the way it looks, how it just like reminds you of a 40 year old virgin because of. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Then all these girls come in and they're dressed just like what's her face and her friends where they're like, we just wanted to wig out. Just like some weird, terrible what girls in bars looked like. In you girls are hilarious. Do we have a date awful. on 40 yeah. year old vir- virgin? I, I want to say this would be out slightly before that by a couple. Well, years, he right? did it in the f- he did it before the first or second season of The Office. If you remember, when The Office first right came now. out, it hadn't come out yet. Right, yeah, it was during the office run, so it must have been 2005. 2005. Oh, okay, wow, so it did predate it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so as they're talking, two female customers walk up to them, and we meet Kate, and she's asking if there's, like, a bedside table with lamps already in them. And Joel's like, of course, let me, you know, go show you to him. And, um, but he first he's trying to train Ray, so he's like, and they're called, and Ray goes, the Frankensunch. And Joel's like, the Blarnick. This is a weird, just like Ikea specific jokes they're making that like maybe were a few, a little too early for everyone to get them. I Yeah, in a weird way. I feel like Ikea is bigger even now than in, maybe for us because there were none near us around 2007. So it was just like the idea of an Ikea was more than the reality of being at one. Right, like the West Coast or like maybe New York City got this joke more than us then just because like, right. I don't think I knew what Ikea was in 2007 more than the idea of it. I, I wouldn't people have gotten it. I think it North just wasn't ever. funny. I uh, thought that joke was funny, but yeah, I've Ikea's been big for a long time. It's not like an old like thing that it's all of a sudden bought, bought. Yeah, in 2007, I had never walked in one, so I didn't know that they have weird names and all the ties to like Sweden and was it? Well, they're not weird Finland? names. They're just non-English names. Yeah, is it? Is, yeah, is it you Finnish? bigot. Uh, Swedish. Swedish. Yeah, but um, the meatballs. That is why they have Swedish meatballs. The Swedish chef uh, personally uh, curated the menu. Roar, roar, roar. I like the lingonberry uh, soda. Lingonberry, very big in Sweden. 
Anyways, Kate leaves to walk off with Joel, and that leaves Ray with just uh, her friend, Thorne. And she's just looking at the that thing that Ray just unfolded during his training and asked how it um, folds up. And Ray just goes, I don't speak English. Classic Swartzen. It really was. I think all of his lines. And I think that's why I found the um the him pronouncing the name wrong so funny, too, because I just I hear Swartzen when that happens, like his like his brand of comedy. Yeah, I feel like he was playing the same character as, like, Grandma's Boy or something. You know what I mean? This sort yeah. of, like... Because every character he is is him. He doesn't have any range. That's not true. Have you ever never seen Trust Fund Cat Wheelchair Kitty? Because I gotta tell you, that's one of the funniest <laughs> things he's ever done. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, it was on his so show. No, I have not seen Trust Fund Cat Wheelchair Kitty. Well, after this, I'm gonna send you a link to Trust Fund Cat Wheelchair Kitty. And without uh, repeating myself, something we quote very often. I'm surprised Gay Robot never got its own movie. Yeah, that's kind of... You'd think that would have... I mean, like, if Dickie Roberts and Bucky Larson got movies, you'd think that probably would have fallen into the cracks. That was like the recurring thing they always went back to is the gay robot. But yeah, so we cut to another section of the store, and we see Kate and Joel on the lower bunk of a bunk bed, and they're just making out. And she's, like, talking about the dirty text that he sent earlier, which was actually from Nick. And then... Uh, Joel's like, well, that's me, your dirty little messenger. And they're, they're just making out. And the whole time there's a boy on the top bunk who is like looking down at them. Cause I don't know. He was just playing on the bed, I guess, when these two jumped into it. This is a weird thing because I feel like in most TV shows, if you're going to pull the, like, we're going to like fool around at work. It's always, you find a hiding place. It seems strange to be like on the bed section. For, like, multiple reasons. Like, how, A, how do they not see the kid on the bed? He was on the top. He wasn't, like, hidden on the bottom. Well, if he was laying there B, at first, B, then B, he's, at work. he's at work in a very public area. Like, everyone's going to see that. Joel seems like a very serious person, so the idea that he would be careless, I guess, would be the throw. And I, I know he's training Nick Swanson, but is is he, like, supposed to be, like, the boss boss, or is he just, like, a one like more of a senior employee mid-level like yeah like mid-level supervisor or something exactly oh for sure he could he's the person who like half-ass pats you down when you take your break to make sure you don't have anything stolen Mm -hmm. even though you work at ikea and you didn't put a couch in the back of your pants (laughs) you still have to go through whatever process also i don't know if you guys caught this (laughs) and i listened back to it like three times because then she's like she says something about how hairy is and then he says I love fucking here. Yes, he did say that. One hundred percent. Does he say that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear that. And it was like as the as the scene was like panning away. He that's exactly what he says. I couldn't tell you what else it could have been. He must be saying I love working here. It sounded like fucking. Though. I have so when I'm taking my notes, if if I can find a transcript, I'll pull a transcript so I can like copy quotes as I'm going back and forth. And on the transcript, it says, I love fucking here. And I'm like, okay, that's not right. Because sometimes the transcripts are wrong. You, We definitely got the Australian version of this then. Like, this was definitely the one that aired in Australia, even though it aired here oh. too, obviously. But this was the one that aired in Australia where they can say that. You can swear on TV. Yeah. So he does say, I love fucking here. I really, so I misread something that you guys got that wasn't dirty earlier. And you guys picked something up that I thought was more wholesome. That's a pretty (laughs) take on that. But uh, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. And as they're continuing to go, you see like that kid again, like looking down a little alarmed. After that, the next scene is back at the apartment. Also, real quick, where's that kid's parents? (laughs) Ikea is a big store. It's very easy to get lost. I'm sure they're on like another floor somewhere. They're looking at these like wooden spoons that are like a dollar each and they're they're floored by the deals. In the next scene, we're back at the apartment 
And Nick's like sitting on the couch and he has his laptop out playing online poker and he's watching the weatherman and the weatherman happens to be another caveman. And he has like a, like a uncle Sam hat on and he's just doing a very like goofy shtick type uh, version of the weather. I wish it was Al Caprillion, but in, in a uh, caveman form. <laughs> that would be great. Or Dollar and Bill in caveman form. Th- these are legends. Uh, I'm, I'm glad for our one year we have all these callbacks to regional celebrities that most of our listeners would have no idea who they are. It would be a good thing if most of our listeners came from our area, but they're not. <laughs> no, but actually, I'm no. kind of glad. <laughs> I, I, I like. I, I'm glad to know that most of the people who listen to us are not just people who are giving us sympathy listens. Yeah, but uh, I'll take all listeners, by the way. So thank you to all of you who give us a listen week in and week out. But while he's on the couch trying to just enjoy the weather and play his online poker, he's hearing Andy on the phone. So he like eventually has to just turn everything away for a second because it's so loud that he can't focus. This is unacceptable, he says as he stands up. (laughs) He runs up and you can hear Andy saying like, Susan, I never said it. I've never said it. He said, I didn't come to San Diego to run away from you, Susan. No, I came here to run away from myself. It's not that embarrassing that I'm crying. And then my favorite part was, I don't care if you love him, you can love two guys. Yeah, this guy is a desperate cuck. Yeah, he's a beta bitch. There's like, can you, like, I can only, I think we've all been in that, like, those moments of sadness post-breakup, but I, I don't think I could ever get to that point where I could have a female tell me she's in love with someone else and me go, that's cool. Just, if you could like me too, that'd be nice. It's like extreme forgetting Sarah Marshall vibes, like, right after the breakup. Yeah, so, and by the way, during this whole conversation, he's just sitting in a closet with the door shut, even though he has a whole room to himself, but he was hiding in the closet. I like how he, I like how he says, all right, R. Kelly, come on, time to get out of the closet. Yep. Which is a fantastic movie opera thing that he did. It is something. <laughs> it is certainly now that we something. Can't, yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't like it anymore, but. At, I, I can quote day, you the entire thing, but we can't say we like it. I mean, that's just how that is now. You know, it's funny. It's like, that should be a dated reference, but that's something I'll live on forever. So it's like not. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that should date the show, but it doesn't. Right. In 2007, it should be a super, like, going to 2022, it, you would think, yeah, that would no longer be prevalent, but trapped in the closet. 40 more chapters of it either. Maybe that will show you the real genius that was that whole thing, because it did live on forever. Well, let's not call Robert Kelly a genius, though. Let's not go <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, he gets him to, to finally hang up, and he tells him, like, all right, we got to go out. And he's like, I thought you had to work on your dissertation. He's like, forget it. I'm out of the zone. Plus, you know wikipedia is under construction which i immediately in my notes just have the word gordo written with a big circle (laughs) it's like wikipedia is under construction listen there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that you know we get we get good wikipedia facts all the time i've never run into that problem that's also a time where like wikipedia people use it like legitimately now back then it was more of a joke yeah there's like office jokes about it and stuff because it was so different and revolutionary at the time where it was like you can look up anything so you still can't, you, it's still not a valid academic source because I know, of the open, but, open source format, yeah, but now it is, it is the informal. But yeah, I, you, I, I equivalent it to um, back in the day, Rotten Tomatoes was a joke. Like you'd go on and you, you'd get the reviews, but it wasn't, people wouldn't brag that they got a high Rotten Tomatoes score. 
Now it's the ultimate authority on is this movie good or bad? Is Isn't the that Rotten crazy? Tomatoes thing. Yeah. yeah, where it's like Iron Man, ninety nine percent fresh. Like I don't <laughs> give a shit about that. Like, who cares? Why? Who would you go into movies thinking that? It was is the weird that it, it got to a point where it really did become like the go to source. But it makes more sense uh, for something like Rotten Tomatoes, right? When you when you yeah. think back, everything was about like siskel and ebert for years and you're like who the fuck cares what these two guys think <laughs> at least this is like a like sourced with many people's opinions don't worry the lord took care of that poor roper right now was somewhere being like don't take me to i came in later it's not my fault it's not my fault who's roper that's who replaced siskel when he died yeah, yeah. It became Ebert and Roper at the movies for a long time. No. Yeah. Yes. No. It's not debatable. It's not like it's an literally opinion. Literally what the TV show turned into for like another 15 to 20 years. Oh, I forgot they had a TV show. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, this is noticeable now. Gordo's lately been, he's been debating common facts a lot lately. No, no, that's not true. <laughs> okay. Some things aren't. They're just not. Like, I don't remember Roper. I don't know who's a Roper. <laughs> Mr. What's Roper his from What's his Three's name? Company? Three's Company? No. Don Knotts? No. That's Don Knotts. That's not Roper. That's the only Roper Can we Roper do Three's Company twice? Can we do a Furley episode and a Roper episode? Because I feel like you sure. have to do both. Sure. <laughs> That'll probably be a, a ways away. But um, moving into the next scene, we're back at Norsk Build, and uh, Ray's pretending to type on a pretend laptop that's just like a prop in the showroom. Which I don't quite understand why he was doing that other than to look busy, I guess. I still think that computer probably works faster than mine. Most likely. I would say almost a guarantee it does. So as Ray uh, Joel's calling him out on it, Ray kind of snaps. He's like, look, okay. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't even know how to pronounce this stuff, okay? It's all Ufskin, Ursh, Nurk, Gish, Beer. And he's like... I totally, uh, he's like, you totally bailed on my orientation. He's like, you spend all your time with that blonde customer who, by the way, doesn't buy anything. All she does is walk around and she's probably stealing. This is Joel finally admitting to him that that's in fact his girlfriend. And Ray's like, how do you not tell people that? She's so hot. If that were my girlfriend, I would glue her to my body. (laughs) That got a laugh out of me. (laughs) I will say that we can't get by the, like, the terrible, lazy writing of the, like, Ikea, it's an earthquake jokes they keep doing, which is just such time filler that's not necessary. Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of pedestrian stuff. I think those jokes make sense for that kind of a store, and like he doesn't understand what it is. It reminded me of I think it was Wayne's World too when he meets um Drew Barrymore and she's like Jurgen Flurgen from from the Jurgen Fjords. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but uh, yeah. So Joel starts to go on about how it's not because he's not proud of her, but because of. How, you know, his friend Nick is against cavemen dating homo sapiens. But as he keeps going on, he's getting more frustrated with the situation. And he decides he's he's finally going to tell him today. So um, I don't want to get like super into the original premise, like the unaired pilot. But it was almost the exact opposite where like they don't accept like um, homo sapiens on this. But in the original series, it's like it was them trying to be accepted by normal people. Uh, homo sapiens and um they, they just kept falling back to like caveman tropes by accident like there's a part he like falls in fire and he's like ah and they all just see him like oh, so it's like it's it's almost like the complete opposite like it made like people feel bad about their racism <laughs> and like the thing so they switched and yeah well in the early in the early pilot there was a lot of like it was a lot of using cavemen to you to talk like of race racial issues and they used it in that way 
but I think even in this incarnation of the show, it's it's kind of a, just a back and forth. It's still kind it's, of that. It's lighter. On, yeah, on it's a different approach. This isn't like Mississippi burning with cavemen or anything, which it right. seems like the pilot was, which seems like it's way too dark and way too deep. Again, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Hackman in. We cut to Nick and Andy outside at this like outdoor coffee shop. And Andy's really impressed by the place. And Nick's like, yeah, if you like hanging out with pretentious posers. And then, but as soon as like a waitress pops up, like he's part of this world. So it's, he's like self-hating, right? Because he doesn't like being here, but this is the place he recommended and his favorite place for coffee. And he orders a tall soy macchiato and a cranberry biscotti. And then Andy just tries ordering a coffee and a donut. And the waitress is like befuddled looking at him. And he's like, oh, he wants an Americano and a beignet. This is also this is also another really easy joke. Like, Thank you. Yeah, this bothered yeah. me too. It was like this is yeah. the classic again, Janine Garofalo wearing at the Starbucks type of joke. It's like he needs an Americano. Like, but I think oh, these God. are still like these are still jokes being used now. I mean, you could say like they're it's like a tired joke now, but Oh, it's the hackest joke ever to be like, I don't want a grande, I want a large yeah. America. We're talking fifteen years later and these jokes are being used. So maybe fifteen years ago I mean when did I Love You Man come out? There's like the whole Paul Rudd fight scene probably around this time. Probably around this time. Pro- yeah. I would say a little after. Oh that's role models. No, I uh, love you man. I love you man. Is it? No, is it? No, it's not. I love no, you. Man. It's role models. It's role it models. Yeah, role models. I love you, man. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. My bad. Which I think is before. 2009 that. was I love you, man. So role models, if I can spell the word, was 2008. So yeah, just a year right later. Yeah. After this, yeah. So I, I want to say at that point, I'm not going to say that Starbucks and IKEA didn't exist like much longer before. They've been around for a long time, but I do think that their social prevalence was spiking around this time. They are kind of tired jokes in a lot of ways, but. Maybe not run into the ground if you're looking in the 2007 spectrum. I think Ikea, yes, Starbucks, way run to the ground already. I think we're like 10 years past that joke being run to the ground by 2007. What's your favorite Starbucks order? Stop. We've had the coffee talk so many times. <laughs> I know. We've had it so many times. How many beignets do you order? Ferg just gets a hey, cheese calzone. I, hey, I love me a good beignet. Do not like something I typically order. Do, do you like the coffee that also comes down in uh, New Orleans to Ferg? With the chickpea. That's where I had a beignet for the first time, was in New Orleans. Delicious. It is a very New Orleans. I don't like any French. coffee, though. We've been over this. Chicory? Is it chickpea? Chicory? What's in that coffee? Uh, chickadee. Keep, keep, chickadee. Keep. Chickpea? You get a live chickadee inside of your coffee if you can catch it. It's Those a are chicken nuggies. <laughs> <You're thinking of. laughs> it's just got a cup of chicken nuggets. <laughs> this coffee is so good. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the few tendies in the morning. Every day, Gordo goes to the <laughs> goes to the cafe and orders a cup of chicken nuggets. How did you know my lunch order? Hey, nothing wrong with a little chicken nugget. No. But uh, after the waitress walks off, Nick tells Andy that he has this new theory on who Joel's mystery girl is. And he thinks it's the cave chick that works at the bookstore because he's noticed that Joel's gone to the bookstore five times in the last month. And when he's asked how he knows that, it's because he checked his credit card bill online and he always uses the same password for everything. Super Joel 78. Which, if we weren't recording this episode right now, I would probably change all my passwords to Super Joel 78, but now it'd be too obvious. I would change one of them to that and then hate myself two days later when I couldn't log in and totally forgot that I thought that was funny 48 hours before. Uh, for all the ones that, like, a lot of my passwords are similar, so I don't forget them. They're not all the same, but, you know, all in the same kind of wheelhouse. But then you have things like Ticketmaster. 
that once you get to a certain point, you always forget your password and they have a backlog of every password you've ever used in the last 20 something years. Oh, it's like, you can't use that one again. It's like, sorry, Jay, bad Barbie 69 cannot be yeah, used Yeah, now again. I'm using you passwords that, that like, I, I know I'm going to forget. So now it's just a thing that every time I need Ticketmaster, I'm going to have to reset my password until the end of time. They make that stressful, too, because that happened to me recently. I had to buy tickets last week for something, and they're just like, oh, reset your password, and you've got seven minutes until your tickets expire. Yeah. 6.59, you're like, holy shit, holy shit. I'm not a fan of these sites telling me what I can and can't do for my password. You think yeah. you're protecting me. Don't tell me I can't use an old password, because back in the day, if I had to change it, I'd change it, then change it back later or something like that. Right. And I'm like, no, you used this seven years ago. Then fuck you, robot. There, there has to be like a, a statute of limitations, right? Fuck there has to be a point robot. where like, this password is so old now, like, please let me use it again. Also, there's nothing that will, uh, as somebody who works in the field of, you know, privacy and security to an extent, there's nothing that will ever make me believe that a password manager is in any way safe. Like putting all of your passwords in one repository will never make sense to me. And like, it's just jammed down your throat now for all your companies and stuff like that. Everywhere you work, like, oh, use this password manager. Why would I put them all in one spot? That's right. the same thing as using the same password for everything. I think like, so they're trying to go to blockchain now. Like they're trying to like eliminate passwords. So you have yeah. some other thing, but like, what if somebody gets into your blockchain and they have access to everything? Like this is just the weird lives we live now. Yeah. When this waitress returns, Nick springs on Andy that he has zero dollars on him. And Andy's like, oh, that's fine. I have traveler's checks. And he pulls out this like weird Velcro fanny pack type thing that he got from the savvy traveler. And all I can think of is if anyone, maybe Nick would be the only one who found that to be like an interesting (laughs) piece. (laughs) Made me think of the movie Euro Trip. He's got the one that he wears all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a dignity. very, or it was a very <laughs> common, uh, you actually see those that I, I, I just spent 15 hours between two airports yesterday on all those little kiosks and stuff that sell like the neck pillows and stuff. You can always find like a passport belt, like where you keep it up against Scared you. Scared American reason. going out of country <laughs> belts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Friggin', um, Travelers check, something you see in like movies and like TV shows, but I don't think I've ever known anyone to ever use an actual traveler's check. I think we're a check. little too old. We're a little too young. Even at this that. point, it's dated, and I think that's why it was supposed to be funny. But I don't think that coffee shop would have even accepted them. No, they're they're still American tender. Yeah, they, you, can, like, you have to take them. But if you're a place that doesn't process checks, you can't run it through the system. So is it just equal to like one of those prepaid cards? Like, yeah. Yeah, they're like, good as cash. Like That's why you now. could steal somebody's traveler's checks, because they're basically non-traceable cash once you have right. them. But I'm sure they're insurable, right? Like if you lost them on vacation. They're almost like a bear bond. Unless Clark Griswold does it. <laughs> no, you can. The thing about traveler's checks was you write the serial numbers down, I believe, and then you can trace it, I believe. But again, I think we're too young to even like, that's not a thing. I right. It's very much a pre-debit card scenario. And yes. I don't want to make this the world's most interesting episode by any means by talking about traveler's checks for too long. But if I could ask you guys, because I genuinely don't know, when were these needed? Like, why was this? Why was this a thing you needed to have? It was to not have cash on you if you're on like vacation or whatever, because they're it's good like as cash. Before ATMs were so popular, so you didn't have to walk around with wads of cash on you. You just used traveler's checks instead. Why and not just you- have a checkbook? Yeah, because, what's wrong with a, a regular check? Because a, a, a Starbucks in Spain is not going to be able to cash yeah. your American credit union check. So, yeah, like, it's like, like, so it was like a universal cash thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Makes more sense. 
I kind of want to go to the bank tomorrow now and be like, can I get like sixty dollars in travelers checks and just see where I can spend them? Dusty, get out of here, you dirty caveman! (laughs) They're gonna be like, I we might have those. I guess Kelsey works at a bank. Actually, I'm gonna ask her tonight when this is over. Tell her to steal some. They'd be like, yo, steal me some travelers checks. You should get you fired and both of us sent to jail. That's probably a good idea. Over forty, but still only ask for sixty dollars worth, so it's not even worth it. Uh, if that's the case, though, I'm going right to Starbucks. So, yeah, so this scene closes with Nick kind of realizing how much money Andy has on him and convinces him that they should head out to stimulate the economy. Yeah. And uh, Andy's on board. I think, you know, he's been so entangled in this failed relationship of his. I think he's excited to just be outside for the day now. And retail therapy can work, I would say. I think that's actually like, uh, I think Nick's reasoning is a little self-serving, but not really the worst way sometimes when you got to get your mind off something, just going out and buying yourself shit. It's yeah. strange yeah. that he has that much money. You'd think like he's so whipped by this ex, he would have probably given her That's the other cash. thing. They never touch on why he has $6,000 on him. Like, I don't understand. Well, he moved and he probably just took all his money with him in those in that form, whatever his savings were. But yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We know he's kind of new to being there. Oh, I didn't even know how much he had. We don't know specifically. Well, no, oh. he go. he said- uh, all I have is traveler's check, and all I have is hundred dollar traveler's check. I think. And so he goes, I have fifty seven, fifty no, fifties and hundreds. Oh, I thought he said yeah, I have fifties and hundreds. I thought he said I have fifty seven more of them. Oh no! So I assumed he had fifty seven one hundred dollars. No, he said he had yeah. fifty. All he had is fifties and hundreds on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This episode maybe the most everybody heard something different in a scene episode we've <laughs> <Yeah>. ever done. <laughs> Now, the next scene, they're back at Joe's apart- uh, Joel's apartment building, and we meet Leslie for the first time, who's, is she like the the property manager or whatever? I don't, I'm not under the impression she owns the building, but she's Actually, in charge of like renting out the units. Real estate agent. Yeah, she's yeah, just the real, real estate, estate agent, agent for that building. Yeah, so, and she's showing this couple around, and the male asks if there's a fitness center, and she's like, ugh, oh, I'm sorry, I just, I keep thinking about the smell of that place. It always makes me kind of want to throw up, but it is nice if you want to go down there. I don't, but p- people do. And I was thinking, oh, she, how good at her job is she that when they ask about the fitness center, she talks about how awful the smell is that she can't walk down there. By the way, Leslie is played by Julie White, who you would kind of know as, uh, for me, as the mom from the early Transformer movies. Nope. That's who she is. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't figure out what I knew her from, but that is it. Yeah. I like how Gordo spoke up first as the um, the, the litmus test for um, movies and cinema. Because if Gordo doesn't know it, there's no way anyone else would. <laughs> nope. She's been in a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, yeah, she has. Like what? I have to look her up. to mind, yeah. Yeah. She's one of those faces, you know. I actually want to say she was on Grace Under Fire. That would make sense. She, I, I think love- she was one of, the, one of her friends or something like that. That's also a for sure coming soon. Oh, we've talked about Grace Under Fire for a year now. So it's kind of- Quentin, I'm going to show you my boobs and then you'll get fired. Like the <laughs> weirdest fire. Was it the, ever the, happen wasn't the mother and Grace Under Fire one of the Goonies? Am I thinking of something else? I don't- The Goonies were all boys. No, there's no, girl Goonies. Two girls. two girls. What the no. hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> the, his sister and her friend. They didn't accompany them on the adventure. They did too. Yes, they did. When did you no, see this movie? Not. When was the last she time you saw Mikey. the Goonies? And don't forget There's Mrs. Fratelli. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's wet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, there was no girls in that. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Stop arguing things that you're wrong in. What like alternate living facility were you in where they cut the girls out of Goonies? <laughs> like boys and girls can't hang out together. <laughs> to... I really don't remember any girls in the Goonies. There's two of them. 
I'll have to go back and rewatch it. Cause... They're not like part of the like the crew because it's all the, the younger boys that hang out. And then there's the older brother, and then she's like the the girlfriend of his, and then her friend. Yeah, they end up yelling down through the wishing well when they go into the pirate ship. Okay, we'll we'll save. Anyways, yeah, there's time. really not enough time to explain to you the entirety of the the Goonies movie right now. But um, <laughs> as they're walking by the apartment, you hear a lot of loud grunting, um, and the couples kind of they hear it, but I think she's trying to move them away, so she's she kind of shoes them off because right around the same time is when Joel's walking up. He has a couple bags of groceries. It looks like he just came from the store after work. And uh, with the grunting, were you, did you guys have like a expectation? Like, did you think it was going to be a sex thing or something like that? No, because no. at this point I kind of figured out their, I don't know, their motives here. And like, it was very obvious that that's what they were making you think and that it's not what it was going to be. Right. So yeah, I thought they were gonna be putting together a piece of furniture. That's a good, yeah. I didn't know what it, it was going to be, too. but I, I knew it wasn't that. Yeah. Oh, I was I was way off by the way. It was raising hope, not grace under fire. And I don't know why I confused those. Okay. But she's the mom in that. Is that the movie with Nick Cage? Yes, Nick Cage. No. <laughs> that was like a really weird yes no scenario. <laughs> just like some that was just mean to Gordo. <laughs> Anyways, when Joel walks up, Leslie goes, Oh Nick, Nick. And he's like, No, I'm Joel. He's like, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I'm not the one to pass judgment, but I would appreciate it if when I'm trying to show a unit to prospective tenants, if you could, you and your friends could keep down the primal grunting. And he's like, what are you talking about? And you can hear more grunting as it's happening. He's like, I'm just going to go. And she's like, I'm not passing judgment, Nick. And he again says, I'm Joel. And she goes, nah. <laughs> and like, I thought that was so, she was so like tickled by it that she confused him. She's like, maybe one of you guys should tie a little piece of colored ribbon in your hair. I do that when I'm traveling to my suitcase. It's so much easier for everybody. I've never checked a bag before, but I was like, that's not the worst idea. No, people do, do do with that. stickers. And people she's just tie like, stuff to bags. She's blatantly being like the uninformed racist. Yeah, yeah the shitty like, racist. Yeah. It's the it's the ignorant more than like hateful. But yeah, she just doesn't get the like you can't say that to him. I can't tell you guys apart. So if you can put a little bow in your hair, that'll be that'll be a lot easier for me. Should have been like a line, like, oh, maybe I'll wear my bone in my nose again, <laughs> something like that. Like, yeah, he could have, like, I feel like if if that was, if it was Nick in that role and not Joel, like, Nick would have probably said yeah, something. I guess so. Or he's he, a bit more of a pushover. Show you my unit. I don't think that would have been the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it made all of you laugh. I don't know about all of us. The but... difference between laughing at and laughing with. <laughs> So uh, as he's going into the apartment, Leslie does end by telling him how good he looks in his pants. So she's not opposed to cavemen, I guess. He just, that ignorance is there. But um, when he walks in, uh, you see that the noise from earlier, the grunting is because the two are playing Wii Sports Boxing, which um, apparently they had bought that, a panini press, and some down vests. Wii's a play a bit of uh, Wii Sports Boxing at Ferg's oh, house. I was going right to no, no shame. That's, I wish I could still had a Wii just for that. This, this would have been like brand new, fun. right? Right yeah. around that time makes sense. Yeah, that's right around when we were all playing. This Because I remember all the videos of everybody throwing the things through their TVs and then them oh, being yeah. like, oh, we've attached a new thing to put around your wrist so you stop doing that. No, that's always that was always a thing. People just didn't wear them. No, people just didn't wear it. There was, a, there was a website, I think, that was called Wii Damage. And yeah. it would have like all pictures of Wii remotes inside of TVs and things like that. Yeah. The Wii came out in 2006, by the way. Oh, so it's very new. Oh, yeah. Now, if you go to Wii Damage, it gives you a much different W I I. W I I. We're not looking at the same website. 
S1E1, brought to you by WeDamage.com. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the money, I mean, if, you, if they want to. I honestly want only our advertisers to be just, like, the worst possible things. It would, I would, I'll take money from anyone. <laughs> I'll take it from Nintendo. Buy a Wii. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if Nintendo would like to sponsor the podcast, by all means, get in touch with us. S1E1pod at gmail.com for all business inquiries. Joel asked how they had money for this. He's like, you don't have any money, but he's referring more to Nick. And Andy's like, I have money, Joel, and I feel great. I haven't thought about Susan all day. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, the mountain bike was thank you enough. <laughs> yeah, so it's a panini press, a mountain bike, a wee. Down vest. Down vest. Why are they buying down vests if they're living in San Diego? When it gets to get a chill here. 82 degrees at night. It's still desert weather. I don't think it gets even that cold, though. I've got some coworkers who live in San Diego, and they're constantly just letting me know, especially during the winter, that they live in the most beautiful climate of all time. I don't think it gets below, like, 80 there. The thing is, being, like, East Coasters, very used to the cold and stuff, you just have this in your head that it's automatically warm no matter how north or south you are on the West Coast. And I made them. I remember I went to Vegas in February... Thinking, oh, it's, it's always hot in Vegas, and I only packed tank tops and shorts, and I think it was like thirty degrees, and I was freezing the entire That's time. That's the thing too. I've, I've I've spent like almost a month in Southern California in the past few months, and the you don't understand the desert climate. Like, yeah, it's seventy degrees, seventy five degrees during the day, but it's thirty at night and in the morning. Like, it just the, yeah, the, I mean, the rapid increase in temperature always happens. Me and but, Ferg just came back from Texas a few days ago, and. I want to say in the time we were there, the hottest it was, uh, this is early April, the time we're recording, was in like 81, 82, I think was the most yeah. it hit, but it was as low as 57, 58 when we'd wake up sometimes. Yeah. That sounds like my ideal weather, though. Like, it never gets colder than 51, but it never gets hotter than 81. But so that's can, in like, a single a nice day. jacket at night. <laughs> we're, we're having 20-something degree shifts in weather from sunup to sundown, which is a lot to handle. Yeah, but we have that here, but it still sucks. Like, it was 32 last night, and it was 42 today. Like, that's still yeah. 20, or 52, you know, it's like, it's still 20 degrees, but it's not enough to feel like... That's 10 degrees, bro. I said 52. I I, I uh, corrected myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you said 32 to 42. I was no, like, I realized that I was an idiot, but you know what I'm saying? It was like 50s today, and it was 30s in the morning. We don't have a like, math podcast it's... for a reason. I know, we talked about the math earlier, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to have that shift, at least have the weather be nice. When people are complaining, being like, oh, it was 80 degrees out, and then it was 60 at night. Be like, oh, it was perfect where you were? How dare you? My car doors froze shut. Fuck you. <laughs> My ground yeah, is yeah. frozen. You got polar bears running around where you live, Joe. Goddamn polar bears, moose. Mooses? I think we talked about this before. Polar moose. The worst kind of moose. <laughs> They're the most aggressive. So uh, Joel can't get them to turn their attention away from the game, but lets them know that he has something to tell them in regards to his dating situation. And Nick tells them, oh, I already know. She's an uggo. And he tries uh, to refer back to Tammy Grassley from the eighth grade. And Andy's laughing. He goes, oh, the grass stain. I remember her. Her eyebrows connected to her sideburns. He's like, and then Nick's like, AKA the sidebrow. He's like, dude, you have a track record of bringing home ugly girls and then hiding them from your friends. So Joel informs them that Kate is actually pretty hot and that he's only hiding her from them as a way to protect her from all of Nick's small-minded crap. And Nick uh, says, not wanting your friend to date a hog is not small-minded. It's actually being deeply caring. <laughs> and Joel goes, oh, well, since you're so caring, I'm sure you won't mind that uh, this. Kate's a sape. And that's the first time we've said it already. That's the first time they said it. And I was like, what a great term. 
Like, I wish we lived in a world where homo sapiens weren't exclusively walking the earth, that we could refer to certain people as sapes. Yeah, but if that were the case, could other people say it? Ah, uh, that's true. It would probably you not know? be a good term. Yeah, I don't th- I think it's meant to well, be we can say it. Yeah. We can yeah, be able to say it. <laughs> we could say it. But, uh, yeah, no, I did. I really like that term. So what would the opposite be? A, a fall? The Neanderthal? Uh, I feel like anything I'm going to say is going to sound bad. I was just thinking that, that I was like, I was going to say, like, I started saying it and started saying N and was like, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I had a couple in my head. Like, yeah, like, nah, no. Nah. That's why I went with fall. Yeah. <laughs> Smart to go to the end there. Yeah. They did it with sape. Maybe just call them like Ooga Boogas. <laughs> I feel like that's worse. Yeah. I feel like that's not going to go well. No, it wouldn't be good. You call them Yabba Dabba Doos. That's a yabba dabba don't. But um, yeah, so basically, as soon as as soon as he tells them that Kate's a, a sape, it pretty much stops Nick in his tracks, and eventually Andy breaks away from the game, but he has no idea what's going on, and that's how that like scene kind of closed. But it comes back into the next morning where they're still in the apartment, and Joel's preparing some coffee, and Nick Nick comes into the kitchen, and Nick's like, "Hey, Joel," and Joel's already like, "Don't start, okay?" He's like, "What are you talking about?" I was just gonna ask you where the raisin buttons were. He's like, "Oh, I don't know. Are they not up there?" And he goes, "I don't see them." And I just thought maybe this was something else you hid from us. He's like, all right, all right. And Nick's like, it's a good rule, Joel. Keep your penis in your genus. Which uh, Nick, uh, Gordo, you said at the top of the episode? Yeah, it was Gordo. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> Which made me think of, I know this is so stupid, but we've talked about this a lot, how much I love to catch a predator. Uh, I can quote through pretty much every one of those episodes. One dude who's like a Southern Baptist preacher guy, when they arrest him, Chris Hansen's like, do you have anything else to say? And he just goes, keep your jeans and your jeans. Oh. <laughs> I always what? think of that. What? Keep your jeans in your jeans. How are you not getting any of these, Gordo? Keep your penis inside of your denim. You still don't get it? Jeans with a G. Oh, I thought he was talking about. Like, do you have a carbon cousin. monoxide detector? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Actually, the city's coming to inspect my apartment. Check the batteries. Yeah. <laughs> I am killed very Joe. Tired. <laughs> I thought he was talking about his cousin, like they were setting up like a sting with his cousin. I was going to say it's oddly specific that they would do that. Joe's down for the count. Don't get him like that too often. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I'm fucking crying, Nick. Fuck off. I like that. Gordo could talk to you for three hours about meme stocks and like uh, JPEG apes, but if you have to explain to him that there's two forms of genes... (laughs) <laughs> even with a deep explanation he's still like yeah. wait a minute are you sure <laughs> it's a long <laughs> no i thought that like your genes like obviously like you know your your genome but i thought that that was referring to like your cousin <laughs> i actually see what you mean i actually i see no, what I you get mean it. yeah yeah, no, I, yeah. I, okay I get it that makes sense yeah that's why i was like what oh I like see how cousin you wife? That connection yeah that's why I was confused. It was an odd turn of phrase, just like a deformed cat. We'll get into that. So Joel goes on to explain that this isn't the dark ages anymore and people can date whoever they want now. Nick wants to know if her friends have welcomed him open arms and it becomes clear in this conversation that they haven't met him yet either. So then Nick tells Joel that she's ashamed of you and asks if um, he's even on her top eight on FaceSpace. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of times you could groan during this show. That was when I audibly groaned. Well, you hate yeah. modern references, so now you're getting a past tense modern reference that's no longer 
available and they didn't get the licensing to say Facebook or MySpace. So but it's they- always that it's a combination of the two. It's like saying 555 and a phone number. Like MySpace was dead by then, right? No, 2007, we were still using them. I like so, not yeah. as much. Yeah, yeah but MySpace so, was still around. It was getting phased out, like unbeknownst. To the only reason then, I remember but- that is because in 2007 is when we went on that road trip. And I remember loading pictures of me at, at every ballpark onto my MySpace. I wish, I wish MySpace was still prominent over Facebook. <laughs> Go talk to Justin Timberlake, see if he's still got the controls over it. Or give him $40 and you can own MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> those dudes paid like millions of dollars for myspace like not that long ago they really that's a bad investment i want to say they paid like 30 million for it or something which is like pennies on the dollar for like what it originally sold to did he buy it from tom from myspace no tom sold it to rupert murdoch yeah that dude sold i would have made a ton of money when he knew he should have like a smart person or that dude somewhere on some weird island being like fuck everybody no he's actually a photographer he's actually now a nature photographer on instagram He's, oh, good for him. His name is uh, my my friend Tom on Instagram, and he has really, really good uh, nature photos. Do you know what allows you to do that of... instead of having a real job, selling your company to the guy <laughs> yeah. from Fox for a billion dollars? <laughs> well, that's the thing. Right? It's like not to um not to get into the fiftieth tangent, but you look you can look at it either way, right? You have a guy like MySpace Tom who's like, I'm going to take this big cash out, have generational wealth, live and do whatever I want, and just travel the world and take pictures and enjoy myself. Or you have like a Zuckerberg. Who wants global domination? I want to be in charge. (laughs) And he will just be miserable his entire life trying to figure out ways to make even more money when you can just. Evil robot man. Yeah, you could just stop now and enjoy life. But why do that, right? When you can just get more. I imagine most of those dudes will explode in a recreational space flight at some point. So that'll be the end of that. Who dreary. But like (laughs) accurate, right? Like all these people who are like, let's go to space for no reason on a rocket I made. Yeah. That's how Whoopi's finally going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before she goes, she's like, look at the view. <laughs> she dies in that and nobody believes us. Yeah, no one. If we reported that, if we were there and saw it happen, no one would. We're going to get Patrick Swayze back somehow because we got to get her ghost going. <laughs> oh, I'd be so happy to get Patrick Swayze back in that scenario. Some sort of time frame continuum. We lose Whoopi and Patrick comes back. Yeah. Then we get that outside of down like in. Um, Fucking uh, point break. Point Just break. Like, oh, that yeah. worked for everybody. I don't know why I was going to go with Operation Dumbo Drop because he's not even in that. <laughs> so, well, I'm sure the elephant from that movie's dead too. So maybe we can trade Whoopi for the no, elephant. It, maybe not. Elephants crazy. live really no. long. If that was a young elephant, it's still it's our age. All oh. right, we're gonna have to look into this. Uh, unfortunately, Ty died May seventh, twenty twenty one. Uh recent passing. The elephant. Yeah. 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 Ty died in May 2021 at age 55. 55 is a good clip, though, for an elephant, right? Oh, yep. yeah, they live yeah. long. I mean, turtles. <laughs> was it an accident? Was he trunk driving? <laughs> <laughs> Much like 9 No, but there was a controversy. <laughs> oh, it was pita bullshit. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> is that like pita bread? the elephant choked on a piece of pita bread and that's how it died <laughs> so hippie you hungry fella so because of the conversation that was going on earlier joel finally snaps back at nick and he's like you know what nick i think you're jealous because i'm dating someone while you sit around playing video games on your butt all day destined to wake up one uh, morning old alone with nothing but regrets and while this is all happening, Andy, who's playing video games, looks over and just he goes, oh, my God, Susan. 
I lost it at this moment. I don't know why I found his delivery so funny, but because, I really like, laughed Because this kid was that. so depressed the whole episode, and he finally got a little escape by playing like Wii and found a little joy. And then in this conversation, you have his older brother just slamming, inadvertently slamming his existence and making him realize how <laughs> alone and depressed he's going to be. I actually had a uh, a bit of a grammar police issue with that thing. Because he said, um, sitting around playing video games on your butt all day. He should have said, sitting around on your butt playing video games all day, because it sounds like he's playing video games on his butt. <laughs> on his butt. <laughs> his neck hurts so badly from <laughs> wrenching backwards. Yeah. It was a very, uh, it was uh, one of the less popular Wii games. Show me video games on your butt. And yeah, because Joel's like, I've made a terrible mistake. He's like, I gotta go make a phone call. And Nick's like, nice work, Joel. Now we have to spend the whole weekend listening to James Blunt, which made me think of, um, when um Michael was sad and he's just replaying that that clip over Yo, and over again. My lover. <laughs> which yeah, I guess is a juxtaposition to You're Beautiful, which I never really realized. Yeah. And so for the next scene we bat we end up back at uh Joel's workplace and Joel and Kate are making out at work again and uh he kind of pauses to tell her he thinks they should get a group together tonight and get both of their friends uh for drinks or whatever. And she tells him that she can't. She's going out on a girl's night. And this is kind of making Joel nervous because now it's all the stuff in his head is like, oh, is she trying to hide me? And so he's like, well, one guy could come out on girl's night, right? Or I'll wear a skirt. (laughs) And so now she's like, no, no, no. It's girl's night. Like, we'll hang out some other time. And he's trying to keep arguing, but she keeps kissing him and he falls subject to that. Also, for some strange reason, they're making making out standing up against a hanging rug. Yeah, this is a weird artistic weird. turn which, in the direction. Which was fine when they, they got out of the view, but then they went back into it, which I, I didn't understand why they did that. I meant to look who I meant to look up who directed this because I was just seeing like, oh, did they do something else? Is it oh, just, like, it was Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, it's like, why did they go so <laughs> intense on this? Yeah, Greg Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we should mention, I don't think we talked about the um the the actress playing Kate. She is very attractive. I she looks super familiar, but I couldn't think of what I knew her from. She's so generically attractive too, though, which I know doesn't make sense. I mean, like obviously she's attractive, but like there's nothing that's like standoutish about her. She's in Catch Me If You Can as one of the girls that he ends up being with when he's doing, you know, like the sort of run through when Leo's doing the run through of like he meets girls or whatever. She's one of those kind of cadre of women, but I can't remember. Which Fantastic one. movie, by the way. I Great love movie. that movie. And um, from there we get to the uh, next scene where all the guys, including Marie, so all four of them are at the squash court. And uh, Joel looks frustrated because of everything going on. And Joel tells Nick and Maurice how she kept avoiding the issue when he was trying to bring it up. And Maurice said, she's not ashamed of you. She's ashamed of herself. And then he explains her yearnings, her desires. Sapien women see us as forbidden fruit. They think that we'll take them to this place sexually that they've never been to before. You gave her a little taste of something that she ain't getting nowhere else. And afterwards, they feel naked, naked, utterly transformed, walking down the street. And they think to themselves, everyone can tell. Everyone knows what I've done. So they have to drive their impulses underground. All while Andy's just like outside of the glass door on the phone with Susan again. So Maurice's little speech there, like, what do you guys think of what he said? I think it kind of goes back into those racial undertones that they touch on, but they don't truly get into. Yeah, they're trying to make this a a equivalent of... I'm not going to try. It'll only make me sound terrible. That made you sound terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, there's, no, I, there's no way I can explain it without sounding bad. Well, I, I, I know what he's getting at, and they're, they're likening that to, you know, how some people view interracial stuff. 
and they're touching on that in that way from the it's perspective like when of dogs marry cats. What? Yeah. What? I mean, that's how we got cat dog. Mm-hmm. One fine day with a wolf and a purr. But um, yeah, I mean, I think at this point, like Maurice comes off as more of a ladies' man than the rest. Um, judging by the more upscale party he threw at the beginning of the episode, well, he got all that Geico money. Yeah, <laughs> just he was the spokesperson. So, so it seems like that was just kind of his experience, where he's probably been with one or two women in his day. So that's his understanding of what's typically happening. You know, what would have been clever is if he was rich because. Like he was legit in the Geico commercials, and they yeah. all called him a sellout to their race. Like they could have like, been a little meta with that, yeah. You know, I love that idea because I will say, not to get into our feelings with the show too early, but one of the things that turns me off from this show is it's from an ad agency. It's from a commercial. The product and part of me that can't not forget that. You know what I mean? So if they leaned into it, I think it would bother me less. But would it have come off to product placement if they did it? If they were like shoving not that at you, not if it was pointed as a bad thing. Like they or pointed out that the company he he worked for this thing. It's like, oh wow, you made our whole race look bad. Thanks a lot. You set you set us back centuries. Or if they just said like, oh, it's Mister Car Insurance over here, but nobody was like, yeah. If they Geico. avoided using, yeah. If they avoided saying Geico, yeah, that that could have worked actually. They get back into the game, and because Andy won't come out to play squash with them. They have to get uh, a three-man game going. I also want to point out that this is the most like the original Geico commercials, is them just being sophisticated, playing something like Squash, which you would more associate with right. like, richer people. Yes, I've never played Squash personally. I don't know if any of you have. No. I really want to. It keeps coming up in shows. There's a whole big scene in that um, Inventing Anna show we were watching. Where and Roseanne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Came up in Roseanne. That's true, Roseanne, yeah. yeah. Um, I've only ever seen a squash court one spotted, uh, the LA Fitness in Revere, uh, I guess. I forget where that one is, but um, it does look really fun, yeah. I'm sure I'd break both of my ankles promptly. <laughs> it seems like a combination of, like, handball and tennis. It seems super fun. It doesn't seem like it's... At- <laughs> Just imagining Jay having to, like, call out of work because he blew out both of his ankles playing squash. <laughs> Not a squash injury. <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> in my notes, I have squash. Play it or eat it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the idea that you just gave us a pitch from 1987 to a bumper sticker company that was like, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to have to leave. <laughs> Get it? Because you were the guy after food. Forrest Gump who came up with the shit happens thing. <laughs> it was like, Should we hit them coal mine and then Gordo comes in. Squash, play it or eat it. It's like, ah, we're not going to go have with that. Have a one, nice day. <laughs> ironically gordo basically just told an alternate version of the keep your jeans in your jeans joke like a minute later (laughs) it's true but uh yeah so as they get to play again joel's frustrated as they're playing and he's arguing over his serve and they're like whoa bobby knight like don't take it out on us because your girlfriend keeps you hidden away like a deformed cat he's like what (laughs) like it's an expression he's like it's not an expression and maurice just chimes in i've heard it like how they have each other's backs there and bobby knight's the angry indiana basketball coach right who's like known for like throwing chairs and stuff yeah like in parks and rec um you would have ron reference him he had the poster and there was like a whole episode where he was a coach and acted a lot like him yeah 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 r.i.p ron swanson that's sad i wish he didn't pass away what (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah as this game's heating up like Joel's just losing his cool, and he's playing worse and worse because of it, and he can't focus. And then Nick says to him, like, wow, it's so fun to play with you when you're impotent with rage. Has Kate seen the side of you? Because I'm pretty sure her friends haven't. And <laughs> he's so he's, he already sees his friends pretty pissed off, and he's still digging in uh, even deeper at this point. And 
Uh, this is when Joel's finally like, you know what? That's it. I'm going to talk to her right now. And he tells Maurice, can you give them a ride home? And I don't know why this is one of my favorite lines in the whole episode, but Maurice replies with, dude, I'm in the boxer and the passenger seat's full of oranges. I was like, what? Like, there should be backstory to that that we do not get. <laughs> like, why is there just like a gigantic thing of oranges in the, it's also in the passenger like, seat of your car? It, like adding to the whole squash thing, the vet, he's driving a Porsche. So like they're doing well. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, like they're at a country club, not a country club, but like a day club. He's got a nice car. Right. They're playing squash. And um, so Joel's like, all right, you two get in the car with me right now then. And we cut to the restaurant where Kate's with her friends. And you see all the girls sitting together and having a good time and talking. One Wait, of the girls you know says, it? yeah, <laughs> one of the girls you hear say, so I was totally trapped there. I mean, how am I supposed to get my underpants off of him without him waking up? And I was like, one hell of a night they had. And Sounds like a great night. Yeah, right around this point. Uh, well, to to go back, have any of you guys ever fallen asleep with uh, your significant un- other's underwear on, I, I, or a, or a wild night with a, a one a one can't night? Can't say I've ever worn them. No, I mean I can't. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't put them on before. We've been like, gonna go see the queen. <laughs> I would just imagine you having it on your face like a luchador mask. I have I, I gas I, mask doesn't work. I think we went to this earlier, but I kind of I'm thinking of the Wayne's World scene when Wayne's walking around in Cassandra's oh, right, apartment. Yeah. And uh, who's Anthony? <laughs> camera one, camera two. So uh, yeah, right around this time is when Joel storms up to surprise Kate and uh, says he needs to talk to her. And right as he's about to, all these waiters arrive at the table and they're trying to hand out all this food, so he has no opportunity to speak. Um, someone ordered lobster enchiladas, by the way, and that sounded really good. I'd eat that. Not me. I mean, again, I, I have no dog in this fight, but I do like enchiladas. And I like enchiladas, uh, I don't eat lobster. You don't eat lobster at all? No. Really? I love it. Yeah, me love too. Love it. I hate how expensive it is, but that's me like... Me too. I will say I used to, I've never had it before because of obvious reasons, but I don't like anything that you have to slather in butter. I even eat corn on the cob with no butter. Like, it just it's seems just, weird That to just me. means you like butter. It means yeah, like butter just like, takes over the flavor of everything. The only thing I use butter for is grilled cheese, and even then, I'm pretty really. On it. That's interesting. I love butter on like every, cooking with it, putting it yeah, on. Yeah, I make it, it makes my it steaks, so fucking good. Yeah. That being said, Joe, if you're not a big butter guy, you can make grilled cheese with mayonnaise. I'll stick with the butter. Oh, the, uh, I don't have any any grilled cheese you've ever had like that you didn't make. Like if you've ever ordered at a restaurant from somewhere, is made with mayonnaise. That's, That's crazy. how they I mean, it's just oil, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I don't so, dislike yeah. mayonnaise. Like, occasionally you'll get a burger and they put it on there. And I you're thought like, the oh, same whatever, thing, sure. but um, I've used it exclusively with my grilled cheeses, like, over the past few years since I found out, and it's a game changer. I might try it. Could I use Miracle Whip? I don't know if we have any mayonnaise in this. I'm think not really could. sure about what a... the... Maybe Cool would... Whip. I think the Miracle Whip would kind of be <laughs> gross. I think the difference would be like the difference between butter and margarine. So yeah, like, it makes sense. Yeah, butter. I, and I, I can't it, believe I it's I'm, not butter. I think it might burn. Okay. The, yeah. <laughs> but man, lobster in San Diego—that must be a lot of money. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, I know San Diego real estate is very expensive. Just because I've looked, because again, like I said, I have coworkers who move there, and I'm like, you paid how much for what? Oh. So I looked it up myself. San Diegans. I mean, California so, uh, in general, if you're not living in, like, middle of nowhere, if you're living in super nice place in Southern or super nice place in Northern, it is one of the most expensive places in the entire country right now. And just watch out for all the poo. Well, there is poo. There will be poo. So even though they were instructed not to, Nick and Andy are both at the bar also. Well, they went straight to the bar area. They didn't follow Joel over to the table. And this is when Nick finally realizes and accepts that Joel's girlfriend is indeed hot. 
Uh, I think he was like really hanging to the fact that even if she was a sape, that he was assuming that she wouldn't be a looker, but um, was very surprised when he finally got eyes on her. And we get back to the table and there's still all this chaos going on and Joel cannot get a word in and he's just trying to speak. And then it looks like it finally settled down. And then one of the girls doesn't have a fork. So he just grabs one from another table and like just places it in front of her. He's like, okay, are we good now? And he's like, listen, Kate, I refuse to be your dirty little secret. I like you a lot, but I'm not going to be hidden away like some deformed cat. And she's like, what? He's like, it's uh, an expression. These are some red flags for me. All right. That's crazy boyfriend shit. Like he shows up to where she knows she is with her friends after she said, please don't come. Well, he was, um, his friends really got in his head at that point. Like he was, they real like he was pretty accepting of the situation and they kept driving it in. He was very okay with what was going on. Until the fact I, that this didn't end up with him. her being like, I had no problem with you. I told them about you before we came out here. They all know about you, but now we're breaking up. Like, that's what I expected. Yeah, that's right. what I was expecting, and that's what should have bad happened behavior. because he was crazy. Right. But instead, she goes, um, okay, uh, everyone, this is Joel. We're dating. And everyone says hi, and no one really cares and gets back to their food. Uh, Except for the one. Another well, caveman? Well, yeah. Well, that was the thing. It wasn't, it was another cave. It wasn't a big deal that she was dating a caveman. Like, he was under the assumption that she was yeah, hiding Nick was, it. Nick was wrong about his theory, yeah. essentially. Yeah. So the truth is she's dated multiple cavemen. It's not a big deal at all. Uh, she's got a caveman thing. Fetish? Do you want to say fetish? Is that weird? That came up later in the episode. Yeah. Also, quick quick side note. Is this our first Nick character? It can't be. Because I don't recall any other ones. I the will say, Nick... I feel like we keep saying Nick and I keep being like, hmm? I know yeah. Joe's had to deal with that I a couple Joe, times. I know Joe, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure we've Nick had a Papa Giorgio from Yuma. The only other Nick I can think of in in, in the sitcom is the uh, me uh, new girl. I don't think we've done that. We have not no, done new girl. We will though. Anyway, moving on. Irrelevant. So yeah, in, in any event, yeah. So it was not a big deal that she was dating a caveman. They could care less. They were just more ready to get back to their dinner. And uh, so it cuts to them outside, and now it's just Joel and Kate talking. And she actually apologizes and explains that she never told her friends about him. Because she tends to get in a lot of short one week relationships and they never really go anywhere. So her friends always give her shit about it. So she kind of wanted to wait a little longer to make sure that there was some substance there before, you know, she announced who he was to everybody, which he understood and asks how many relationships he's been in. And she jokes like, oh, you know, like 18,000 or so. And he's like, oh, less than 20K. That's good. Ugh, cringe. This is also where it plays the OK. Is it OK Go? The here we go again. That closes the episode, I believe. And I have it here right under my notes before the last stuff. I think it plays in the background while they're talking. Yeah, no, it's playing in the bar. bar. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting, like, to put a pinpoint on the time. That's probably the last band to get big off of just a music video. Oh, yeah. Like, this is the last gasp of a music video made a song popular. Yep. Yeah. The treadmill video? Yeah, they do, like, the Rube Goldberg video, I think, for this, and... It's like the, all the sort of zany stuff going on. But like, this is probably the very last gasp of a band being made by a video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The last band that I know that was thread treadmill based that got, blew up was Jamiroquai. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That's true. They are second only to Jamiroquai's virtual reality. I will, well, it's a far second. We will. Yeah. Hold on. We won't get into a tangent because we've gotten Jamiro- enough and this episode's long enough. But I will say Jamiroquai does not get enough credit. Listen to some Jamiroquai. It's pretty good. Anyways, um, <laughs> so during this uh, conversation, <laughs> Maurice walks by and he sees the two of them and he's like, he says, hey to Joel and he goes, oh, hello, Kate. Long time no see sweetness. And so now you realize that one of her, you know, 18,000 relationships was Maurice. 
who is a friend of Joel's. And it just ends with the two of them just sitting there awkwardly silent because they don't know where to go from there. Now, the fact that they paid for OK Go right here instead of when he walked away not paying for some people call me Maurice, wow, wow, <laughs> which is exactly what I would have paid the money for, I thought was a missed opportunity. Who's the only other Maurice character you guys thought of with this? Because I have one in particular. Um, I actually think the hormone monster from... Uh, Little Monsters. Little Monsters is who I was Ma- thinking of, too, yeah. You don't hear Maurice a lot at all. <laughs> yeah, Maury or Maurice. Maury Povich. I think he's probably a Maurice, right? Speaking speaking of, oh, yeah. just got canceled. For what? All this time. No, not Maury canceled. Got- no, like literally like TV show. The show canceled. got canceled. Not, wow. Not the human. Well, no, they keep saying it got canceled. He's just not doing it anymore because he's 90 fucking thousand years old. Oh, well, yeah, that's a good reason to stop. He gave us so many years. You can only, and at this point, like, his show is a parody of itself. They're only yeah. doing, like, paternity episodes now. That's all they do. So, and like, yes, his name is Maurice. Maurice Richard Povich. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so uh, we cut back inside the bar, and Andy exchanges looks at the across the bar with one of Kate's friends. And Nick's like, hey, you know, you've had a, a rough uh, few days, so I'll let this one slide as long as it's only physical. And before he leaves, uh, Nick still makes sure that Andy gives him a few traveler's checks. And that's when Joel enters and Joel orders a beer and a Chardonnay and has a quick conversation with Nick. And Nick's like, you know, you could do worse dating a sape, I guess. And he's like, I'll take that as a compliment. Joel says, oh, FYI, not only is she not ashamed of me, but she's actually dated a couple cavemen before me. So sorry to break it to you, but it looks like uh, her and I are the real deal. And Nick's like, oh, okay. And Joel's like, what? No, I just... I was just uh, wondering, maybe that means that it's a fetish. So now after all this, after all this getting in his head and getting them all worked up and nearly sabotaging the relationship, he finally figures out that that's not what the whole deal is. And he finds another way to pivot this and make Joel uncomfortable in his conversation and with the relationship issues. So Nick walks off and now you just see Joel sitting there and now he's questioning, wait, does she just have a fetish? Is she just dating cavemen now? So, uh, and it just ends. It just kind of abruptly ends. ends Yeah, it was a very abrupt end to this episode. And where was a 20 minute episode and not like a standard 22? I was like, did, did I get a bad copy? Like, did this? Yeah, I thought we missed it. Yeah, it was really weird. Like normally it would go to credits, maybe a credit scene. Yeah, like an end credit or a middle stinger or something. Yeah. Yeah. And there might've been like, maybe there is a version that we just. Maybe after it it. cut to Roseanne and uh, Dan having sex on the, on the sink. On that, on that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Anywhere. Ah, uh, the plunger. <laughs> but yeah, that's um, that's the entirety of the Caveman episode. So uh, yeah, the only thing I would say uh, before we wrap it all up is this was, again, uh, only six episodes made it. Uh, it was not a very long run. I think for those that are fortunate enough that listen to us in Australia, you had the full run of it. You got to hear all or watch all 13 episodes. No, they all killed themselves. So did you know... This is going to be our really fun Wikipedia fact that episode nine, Nick Slick, was actually directed by Fred Savage. Oh. I don't know why, but I totally thought you were going to say Fred Durst for some Me too. reason. <laughs> Chocolate starfish. Coming at you like a motherfucking chainsaw. I still have to see that. What was that? Fred Durst, John Travolta movie. I can't believe you haven't seen it. It's actually a really good movie until the part where he can't control himself and he has to play fucking Limp Bizkit and comment on it. And then you're like, oh, fuck you, man. (laughs) Uh, That that makes me think of like uh, Bam Margera when he like doing like Haggard and stuff. And it was just there was just like a needless scene of him skateboarding all of a sudden. It's like, what is this? Like, what does this have to do with the movie? Yeah, people can't help themselves. Yeah. So that's uh, that's it. That's all we have for Caveman. Um. 
thank you guys for finally sitting down and having to watch this uh, 20 minutes so we can discuss it. For me, it was great to look back and talk about cavemen with uh, my buds. And uh, again, for a one-year episode, glad we've made it this far anyways. Uh, 53 episodes down, hopefully many more to go. But only thing left for us now is to do our green light or cancel. So let's get into it right now. Nick, starting with you. Uh, this show, uh, Joe kind of said it at the beginning. This show did surprise me. I had very, very low expectations for this show. And it did exceed those. Having said that, I am going to cancel it. It's There's a lot wrong with it. Um, a lot of the writing was very lazy. I think the characters were good. I liked I liked all the the separate characters. I think they had potential. I just feel like they weren't written the right way. I think the whole show as a whole did have potential too. Um I'm not sure why or what happened to it. I I feel like maybe the writer strike and everything that happened around this show contributed to it failing. I think maybe in a different environment it could have lasted. But at the end of the day, I was kind of left. My, my big problem with it is the fact that their cavemen is not interesting enough in the universe that they live in, right? They're just being traded, treated as like a different race of people, which essentially is what they are. But I don't see a lot being able to be done with that without repeating the same jokes over and over again. Um, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why it didn't have any longevity. And it's kind of it's the reason I'm going to cancel it. I didn't really care to see the next episode because I knew they were going to ring it out too quickly. It was a cool episode to see. It was better than I thought it was going to be. But at the end of the day, I wasn't really reeling to see the next episode. So that's why I am going to cancel the show. Ferk. Okay, so with this show, and I do agree with Nick and Joe that it's better than I originally gave it credit for. So, you know, Jay, apologize to you. But um, I thought you were just asking me to apologize. No. What? <laughs> I left out uh, the say word it. I. But um, <laughs> I just feel like knowing the commercials, they were everywhere, lightning in a bottle. And this show came out a little too late where they had already stayed there. Uh, you know, they've been around too long. They were it was three years after the commercials first came out. That Not only that, it's like knowing their personalities from these commercials... It should have almost been like Frasier with cavemen, not them just being normal bros. Yeah, like, and it's like, that's kind of what I expected. And it's almost like the, the network bought this property and didn't understand the characters, uh, which was what the lightning in a bottle was. I thought a lot of the writing was pretty cringe. Some of it made me laugh. I hate Nick Kroll unless he's Ruxin. And this is the most Ruxin I've seen him other than the league. So. You know, I normally I would have canceled a show because of him, but it's it it makes it a little better, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so I'm gonna cancel uh, as a whole because there was more problems than stuff I liked. But again, give it a, a little bit of a pass. Better better than I thought it would be. So, but cancel. Joe, this is a tough one, and uh, you guys both had some really good points. Nick, I cannot believe how. How deep you went into your thoughts on the show, Cave It actually blew my mind where I like had to be like, shit, what do I even say at this point now? Because I don't have anything that deep, you know? Look, I don't want to like a show that is based off of a corporate shilling thing. Immediately, feelings on Geico aside, I just can't support that, right? And I missed the show when it came out. I know we obviously heard about it. I remember the commercials really well. I did like it a lot more than I thought I would. I did really enjoy that Nick Kroll was just Caveman Ruxin. I found that to be a very interesting sort of uh, character take I didn't expect. 
there's a lot wrong with this show. And I agree with what Nick said, where like, it's just going to turn into like weird, the same almost racist joke or racist situation as every episode goes on is my assumption. That said, it started playing the second episode and I was so fucking mad about it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't hate this. I want to keep watching it. And a hundred or 50 whatever episodes of making fun of this show. And I'm so mad at myself. But I am going to green light Caveman. Fuck with the remaining people. I'm not sure this is going to go. And now this might actually pass. This could be really interesting. But yeah, I'm sorry. That's just where my heart lies today. Before we move on to Gordo, there was one thing I left out. Um, The hardest I laughed at this show was all of uh, Nick Swordson. Like, and he wasn't even a main character. He's in it for like uh, 10 seconds. He has yeah. like five lines and they were all great and nobody really kind of held a candle to him even with those only having five lines, which is another problem of mine. Gordo. All right. So I went into this with the preconceived notion that I saw something that I remember this show much differently because I could have sworn I'd seen an episode that I was like, this did not jive with what I remember at all. Uh, With that being said, I didn't hate this show. I actually, it was just cavemen in a sitcom and I've greenlit stuff for less. Um, I do agree that it's going to be probably the same drawn out cavemen jokes, but I like the direction of it i will green light it to see number two wow we just greenlit cavemen wait against all odds well i still have to go okay but i think after I can, all I, this time if i you can't yeah don't I, I don't think so i could i don't think i could falsify or even bait you guys into thinking i'm going to do anything different than i'm about to do i'm going to green light cavemen i can't explain why i mean this has been the joke amongst our group for 15 years now that I love this show. I can't explain exactly why, but I always have. I think part of it, and I referenced dinosaurs earlier, and ironically, dinosaurs, cavemen, like they're always forever linked. Um, it's the same kind of reasons I liked it. It's it's part of the show, but it's not overtaking the whole time. They do reference the fact that they're cavemen a lot. That is the premise of the show, but it's not like it's not every single thing they're doing. It's a lot of relationship issues and stuff like that. Andy's relationship issue, you have no idea what the, it doesn't get reference to the fact that because he's a caveman. I think there's a lot of validity to what you guys said earlier about the lightning in a bottle thing. I think maybe it, it was a little too long after those commercials first came out by the time the show released. And I think the other problem is, I just think that it wasn't that people hated the show. I think it was just that people never bothered to watch it. I just don't think there was enough interest in people even giving it a shot. So the 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 ratings just weren't there. And if you look at even this as a small microcosm, like me forcing four of my friends to watch it, I was able to flip two of you. So if maybe the network had found better ways to promote and get people to watch it, maybe there would have been a little more traction. Because I just think there wasn't enough interest in a show about the Geico cavemen that made the masses want to just sit down and watch it for a half hour at home. And it was a different time. So you didn't have the luxury of DVR and stuff really as much as you have now. So like people didn't sit home and watch it and make it a part of their day. So there was no like viral things that could have helped it along, along the way. But yeah, so uh, obviously I'm going to green light it. I just find it funny. I just think it's easy to watch. And uh, I did like the characters and um, 
yeah, I just, I have fun with it. So much to my surprise, cavemen, you get the green light from us. You live on to see another day. And if we were to compare it to the actual real world, that those days would still be numbered because you only have so many episodes left. But um, congratulations to cavemen. We are giving you the green light. So that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. I want to thank you again, guys, for a, a full year of this. Uh, I want to thank the other guys on the show with me. I've had so much fun doing this with you guys for the last year. You guys are legitimately my oldest friends and my closest friends. So it's been really great to be able to do this together. Um, we argue a lot. To peel back, we've probably been arguing for the last 24 hours before we recorded this episode. But at the end of the day, you guys are my closest friends, and I'm glad that we've had some sort of an outlet to do things like this together. So to close it out, s1e1pod.com, go there, find all the links to follow us on social media, everywhere where you can listen to us, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Please pass the word along. Let people know that we're around. We very much appreciate it. We are so happy for those of you who have listened for the last year and will continue to listen to us moving forward. Please let everybody know. Tell us what you want to hear. We listen to all that stuff. We take all that stuff uh, to heart. But that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. I think we got the best one-year anniversary.